Welcome to Discovery with Babbitt Ranches. Discovery is all things cowboy essence, people at their best, accomplishing extraordinary achievements. Cowboy essence is defined by the character qualities we admire in others. Inspired by the cowboy culture, the code that guides Babbitt Ranches. Hello, I'm Billy Cordasco. We've been talking about healthy relationships on Discovery, and today is the third in our three-part series. So far, we've covered foundational components, such as the commitment between parties, and also the skills of relationship capacity and the elements of relationship character. Now, in part three, we'll explore how to build and maintain healthy relationships. Interestingly enough, and perhaps sadly enough, most people try to operate and maintain their relationships without a clue as to uh, what is required to do so successfully. It's a real shame that relationships for us human beings are so critical and so central and so key to who we are as people and to how we feel about ourselves. We're speaking with Dr. Ed Hoover. Ed is a psychologist, author, and family business and relationship management expert. In a moment, we'll hear more from Ed. But first, Discovery with Babbitt Ranches acknowledges Nordstrom and Associates. Tim Hansen and the gang over there at Westdale Avenue in historic downtown Flagstaff can take the stress out of preparing your taxes, conducting an audit, and just having a conversation about accounting for your business or personal life. The team at Nordstrom & Associates has more than 35 years of experience with clients in Northern Arizona and around the world who count on them for guidance, accounting services, and wonderful customer service. Our guest in our three-part series is family relationship expert, author, business consultant, and psychologist, Dr. Ed Hoover. Ed, thank you for joining us again on Discovery with Babbitt Ranches. In the first two podcasts, we've talked about a number of very important relationship-related matters. We've talked about the basics of relationships, how significant they are in all aspects of our lives, from birth to death. And that our relationships with significant people in our lives, really, they form and shape us. They determine a lot about who we are as people. Remember, we talked about how it's like a fish not knowing that it swims in water. And we don't typically recognize, until it's pointed out to us, how the water that we swim in are the relationships we have with significant people in our lives every day, whether that's in our marriages or our families or business or whatever. And given that, we've talked about how important commitment is to relationships. It's really the foundation upon which we build our relationships and that the commitment itself or the covenant, our agreement between ourselves as to how we're going to relate to each other is uh, formed out of our expectations. That's the raw material. And that conflict can develop and will develop if our expectations are weak and confusing and they become altered over time as a result of changes uh, in our lives and talk a little bit more about that as we go through this podcast. But And then we talked about how built upon this foundation of commitment are the two structural columns that support every relationship, and that is the column of relationship capability. Remember we talked about how capability consists of three basic tools of change management, communication, purpose of creating understanding, and of course uh, the ability to solve problems together. And the other column, a structural column, is relationship character made up of how much we trust each other, how much we respect ourselves and our relationship, and how much we 
are optimistic about our future and what what we can do together. And I compared those two things for an individual. We have, most of us are a combination of our aptitudes, our abilities, our capabilities and what we can do and then our personality, which goes alongside of that. And so in a relationship, capability is like our personal aptitude and relationship character is like our individual personality, all in the form of a relationship. Now, we can put all this together into what I call an owner's manual for building and maintaining healthy relationships. When we buy a new car, um, we'd be lost, particularly today, if we didn't have an owner's manual, right? I mean, you've got to have an owner's manual that tells you how to handle all those buttons and whiz-bang things that are on the cars today and so forth and so on. And sometimes in that owner's manual, there'll be a flow chart that says uh, you do this, and if you want to get here, you do this, and if you want to get someplace else, you do that. But it's a flow chart that kind of walks us through how to operate and maintain the, the various features of our car. But interestingly enough, and perhaps sadly enough, most people try to operate and maintain their relationships without a clue as to uh, what is required to do so successfully. You know, it's a real shame that relationships for us human beings are so critical and so central and so key to who we are as people and to how we feel about ourselves. I mentioned earlier that relationships affect our uh, self-esteem. In fact, I have a term for it, relational self-esteem. And it has to do with how our relationships, the quality of our relationships and how our relationships impact us. If uh, we're involved in relationships that are poor in quality, let's use that term for lack of a better one, then we're going to feel badly about ourselves as we operate, integrate in that relationship over time. And we tend to want to be with people that we have a relationship with where we're enhancing to our self-esteem and we tend to be away from people that where that's not the case. I think we've all known, for example, situations where somebody's involved in an abusive relationship in their family, whether it's abuse of a parent of a child or abusive of a spouse to another spouse or whatever. And over time, as that abuse goes on, and certainly we call that an unhealthy relationship, as that goes on, the person begins to take on to the, the abused person tends to take on the characteristics of that they're uh, accused of being and uh, their self-esteem suffers as a result of that. So anyway, we're going to talk about the owner's manual for building and maintaining healthy relationships. I like to go back and point out how this relates to my notion that there is a technology of relationships, just like there's a technology of owning and operating an automobile. There's a technology of relationships. One of the places we really need to start here is to fully understand that the relationships that we have in life Again, wherever it is, whether it's with friends or family or employers, employees, whatever it is, they all require regular maintenance to remain happy and healthy. Now, I don't think most people think about this. I often recommended to family business clients over the years that they put a line item in their budget, in the business budget, and that they call that line item relationship maintenance. Because remember I said in the very first podcast that family businesses that are successful are relationship-first family businesses. And once a family business really understands that and adopts that orientation, then it makes sense that they have a line item in their budget for building maintenance and equipment maintenance and all other kinds of maintenance. Put a line item in there for relationship maintenance because that puts it right out there where it should be so that there's funds that are made available for that family to maintain the relationships. And that's so important because you know, the best example probably is our cars, or maybe our homes, even our bodies. 
all of which require regular maintenance. If we don't maintain our cars, what's going to happen to our cars over there? We just drive our cars all the time. We never change the oil. We never make sure the tires have air in it. It's going to break down, okay? Our homes, if we don't maintain our homes, if we don't paint them, if we don't get the roof repaired when it needs to be repaired, if we don't maintain our homes, our homes will deteriorate. Take our bodies. If we don't take care of our bodies and do normal maintenance on our bodies, including eating right and exercising regularly and seeing the doctor on a regular basis for, you know, normal wear and tear assessment, eventually our bodies will catch up with us and, and they're going to break down as a result of the lack of maintenance. None of these things remain static. You take an automobile and you put it in the garage and never drive it, it's still going to break down just because it's deteriorates but from sitting still. But it's going to break down faster if it's driven. And some of the changes that cause the car to break down will be because putting miles on it and it's just normal part of a car getting older. But some of that time, it's because something happens from the outside. Maybe we had a pothole and break our, uh, something in the front end. But in any case, nothing remains static. And we have to maintain our relationships. Every relationship requires maintenance costs. And what are those maintenance costs? The maintenance costs in a relationship are the time and the resources and the energy that we need to invest and the effort that we have to put in to maintain the relationship. If we ignore investing in our significant relationships, we do so at our own peril. And that's part of the maintenance. It's got to be taken seriously. We have to recognize that, that this is the case. So with that in the background, I want to talk about the flowchart that's in the owner's manual for relationship maintenance. And, and I, I call that the relationship roadmap. But I'd like you to visualize this flowchart. It's a step-by-step -step process through which we go through the various stages that relationships develop and change over time in. Imagine a kind of a circular flowchart that starts at point number one and goes through point number five or six, and it kind of circles back on itself because it's a self-repeating flowchart. And let me just kind of walk through the key points of this flowchart. The first step in the flowchart or the first point in the flowchart is when we get to know each other. What does it mean to get to know each other? It's like, what does it mean to have an interview with a prospective employee? Well, that's basically where we're dealing with what? We're dealing with expectations again. Going back, we're formulating finalizing, clarifying, agreeing upon our expectations. We're getting to know each other. When we find the person we have a romantic interest in, we're going to spend hours and hours. I know some couples will say, gee, you know, when we first started dating, we would like talk for hours and hours on end. And it seemed like, you know, and then we get together a few days later, we talk for more and more hours and hours on end. They say, well, and then after we got married, then we don't talk anymore. And one person says, well, one person doesn't talk anymore. But be that as it may, getting to know each other, having the expectations and getting those clarified is getting to know each other, clarifying the expectations. And then based upon that, the next step in, the, in our flow chart is making the commitment. So based upon those expectations, we move into making a commitment to each other based upon the expectations. Then we go from that into having a, a way of managing the changes that we've talked about before that inevitably come and dealing with the altered expectations that result from those changes. So as we've discussed in the first podcast, those very building block of every relationship are the expectations. They answer the question, remember, WIIFM, we all listen to the same radio station. What, what do I have to invest or what do I need to invest in this relationship? And what will I get out of it in return? And from that flows the emotions that we're all very fond of, the emotions of love and passion and empathy and kindness and so forth and so on. And the more important a relationship is, the more time we're going to spend at this stage of 
getting to know each other. As I said, in marriage, we'll spend hours and hours. But if I'm parking my car in a parking garage and it has an attendant there, I'm going to spend very little time. The only thing I want to know is how much is it going to cost me and will my car be here and in one piece when I get back? The parking lot attendant wants to know you're coming, when are you coming back and are you going to pay for it? The more time we spend at this earliest stage is because the stakes are higher at this earliest stage. And so we go through this process of negotiating and renegotiating what we expect of each other. And then when those ex expectations become clear, let's move to the second step of our flowchart. Once those expectations become clear, then we make a commitment. And that commitment is to either we're going to continue our relationship and take it to the next level, or we're going to part ways. It doesn't always mean that the relationship continues after we talk about our expectations, because maybe we just can't agree on what we want from each other. And that's fine. If a relationship comes to an end as a result of renegotiating expectations, then that's going to be a positive parting of the ways. If it ends because of the failure to negotiate expectations, then it's going to be a more of a negative coming to an end of our relationship. And because commitment, as we've talked about, is the foundation that the relationship is built on, it has to be as strong as possible. And as I've said before, and I'm probably saying again because it's so important, and that is because it's built upon clear and mutually understood expectations. And again, remember my metaphor of the foundation and the elements that go into building that foundation. Commitment that we reach as a result of expectation may be something like, okay, well, why don't we get married? Or, okay, you're hired, or I accept the position, or let's set up regular playtimes for our kids to get together, or yeah, I think I would like to retain you as my financial advisor or my law, legal advisor because we've just talked about the expectations and we feel good about it. So the commitment then is made. Now, here a relationship, every relationship enters a sweet spot in the relationship flowchart. We have a term for this sweet spot of relationship happiness. We call it the honeymoon. And every relationship, not just marriage, but every relationship has a honeymoon. We talk about how uh, sometimes when a new president and Congress are elected, uh, well, they have 100 days and they're on a honeymoon, they're trying to get along. But no one at this stage, no one is questioning whether they're getting out of the relationship what they expected because they just recently negotiated. This happens, uh, for example, when we hire a new employee. We interview the employee. We spend a lot of time getting to know the employee. We may do it on a social basis. We may do it on a formal basis in our conference room. But we talk about expectations. Uh, what does the employee expect of us as an employer and what, what do we expect of them as an employee? And so they come to work for us and, gee, everything is just humming along great. Nobody's looking over their shoulder. This is what we call a period of low maintenance. Again, every relationship has maintenance costs. The goal should be maintaining those relationship costs at the lowest possible level. Okay, so we don't always have to be putting energy into fixing something that's broken. And this wonderful sweet spot of relationship happiness is that honeymoon period of low maintenance. We're not having to expend a lot of time, energy, and resources in working together or being together. But the, something that's inevitable about this sweet spot, and this is where we move to the next stage in, the, in our flowchart, is that it begins to deteriorate as we live out the relationship. Just the normal wear and tear on the relationship, like the normal wear and tear on our car. Or sometimes because of extraordinary circumstances that happen that we maybe have no control over, an illness or something that occurs in our external environment that has to do with our work or our neighborhood or whatever. It happens as a result of these universal effects, how changes occur 
and impact our uh, expectations of one another. Could be new circumstances, could be unexpected occurrences, it could be new opportunities, could be greater knowledge, slew of other things. And these changes, don't get me wrong, these changes are not always negative. There can be very positive changes, like I mentioned in the second podcast, having a baby. What a very positive change. But that changes, alters expectations. Or getting a great job offer that causes us perhaps move to another part of the country. Wonderful change yet it creates real, really altered expectations. And so we are no longer living by the same understandings. We have been impacted by you know, what we've experienced as these new conditions, and all of a sudden we're not exactly sure if we can count on each other like we could before. I go over this all the time with business owners, and I tell them, okay, so you found this right person, you hired them, you've just talked about expectation, yep, we've got it all straightened out and so forth. I say, all right, Within one month, sit down with that person and have a conversation about your expectations. How are we doing? I want to let you know how you're doing in terms of my expectations. I want you to let me know how, how we're doing in terms of your expectations. Do that shortly after the person is hired and do it regularly after the person comes on board. Most of the time, we hire a new person. Everything's going along fine. We don't talk to them again about expectations for a year maybe. Well, by the time a year goes by with a new employer and a new employee, the world can be totally different. So that's an example of how we really need to pay attention to the effects of change and how it impacts our expectations. So as we know now, the impact of these altered expectations is it's immediate and it's evolving and it diminishes our commitment, our covenant uh, that's based upon our expectations. And now instead of having a low maintenance relationship, we now have a high maintenance relationship. And I'm sure if, if in saying this, everybody listening to this is going to say, okay, I know what a high-maintenance relationship is. It takes a lot out of me. And I spend 80% of my time trying to figure out relationships that are high-maintenance, and 20% of my time goes into those that aren't. That's a big drain on me. It takes considerably more effort and energy with negative and diminishing results. Now, okay, so here we go. We've started out. We got to know each other. We've clarified our expectations. And by the way, this happens when a relationship starts from scratch. It also happens when a relationship goes through a major change okay so we got to get reacquainted with each other when we have that new baby and add to our family we have to get reacquainted with each other when our work group brings a new employee on board and they become part of our work group or when we lose somebody from our work group or when we have a senior central family member pass away okay we got to go back and talk about who we are together now because that change has altered that so changes have altered our expectations now we have a commitment that is maybe 75 percent as strong as it was the first time it still works but what do we do when that change happens and all of a sudden we're surprised we say wow i didn't know you thought that way or i didn't know you felt like that or i didn't know you did that kind of thing or something else happens that you're saying, I'm not sure that, that I can count on you for the same things that I thought I could before. Well, what we tend to do, our default position, if you will, is we, we go back and we remind each other of our original commitment. But we talked about that. But we agreed to handle things this way. We agreed to do it this way. But, you know, well, we, we agreed that we were going to, I'm going back to one of my illustrations from a previous podcast, we agreed that we were going to live close to family. And now you're coming to me and you're saying, well, I got this great career opportunity and you want to move to the other part of the United States. I didn't know you would ever come up with that. Okay. All of a sudden, I don't know if I can count on you to be with me in my desire to be around family. And the other person is saying, I don't know that, I always thought you were 100% behind me in my career and my, my vocational goals. And I'm not sure that 
I can really count on you for that anymore. It seems like that's not as important as I thought it was to us. So we're not sure we can count on each other. We go back to the original commitment and we say, things, well, you know, when we, when we got married, we talked about this and we decided to do it this way. Okay, well, a person will say, yeah, you're right, we did. So, okay, so I think I'm going to turn down that job offer. Well, does that work? Yes, it works temporarily. It works temporarily. Things settle down for a little bit, but somebody in the back of their mind is saying, you know, I feel a little bit of resentment because I had to give up some, a dream of mine or something, and it seems like there's no, no flexibility or compromise going on here. I'm not sure I can count on you for what. So we go back to the original commitment, and we remind each other of that, and we try to move forward. But now we've got a commitment that's maybe 75% or 50% as strong as the original was. It won't sustain itself. In fact, there's going to be another change that's going to come down the road because change is inevitable. There's going to be another change and it's going to have the same impact and altering more expectations and it's going to erode our commitment even more. So that's what we typically do. And this is what I call trying to keep the relationship focused and on track on the basis of a false agreement. If we outwardly say yes, but inwardly we're shaking our head no because the commitment doesn't reflect where we are at in our current circumstances, we have a false agreement. And as I said earlier, the real problem with the false agreement is people think that they're on the same page, but then they realize when it comes time to, to make a serious implementation effort about something, to get something done, all of a sudden people start backing up and saying, no, I'm not willing to move forward with that. So our relationship enters at that point. We have a significant period of disruption in our relationship, and that leads to conflict and false agreement. And eventually, if we don't address it in some kind of more positive way, if we stop going back and saying, but we talked about it and we agreed to do it this way, why don't you get on board with what our agreement was last year or five years ago? If we just keep enforcing that and reinforcing that, then eventually our relationship will come to an end. It may be a divorce, it may be a firing of an employee, it may be a good employee quitting, it may be the end of a business partnership. Whatever it is, it will come to an end as a result of that cycle of disruption and diminishing, deteriorating commitment. But, you know, the good news, Billy, is that this conflict, this turmoil, it's not inevitable. Sometimes people think, well, that's just the way life is, you know, and people come and go, and it's just inevitable that people are going to change and people are going to be different, so what? Get used to it. Well, it is not inevitable. There is an alternative, and it, for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it relationship renegotiation. Instead of trying to go back and say, all right, let's get back to that original commitment, whatever it was, that original understanding, that original covenant, which now is totally unsupported by any kind of adequate expectations. We sit down, and we agree to talk. And we say, you know, some things have changed in our relationship. I'm really thrilled that you got that job offer in the other side of the country. I'm really happy. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for us. But that's a big change. And we can't go back and say, well, we're just going to agree that we're going to live by family because I know you're not going to be happy with that. You're going to resent that. How are we going to deal with this? How do we go back and renegotiate those expectations? This is a big change. How has it altered our expectations of each other? And you know what? This circles all the way back to what we talked about in terms of communication. Communication's purpose is what? To create understanding, right? Absolutely. So 
we go back using our best skills of communication and we say, let's talk. I'm going to work hard at suspending my biases and preconceived notions and prejudices so that I can really listen to you to try to understand and make sure I understand where you're coming from. And through that process of communicating, and it may take five minutes, it may take five hours, it may take five days. That's immaterial. But we're going to do that. And why do we do that? Because we care about our relationship. And we know that if we don't do that, we know what's going to happen. We're going to get caught up in this unending cycle of change and altered expectations and diminishing commitment, but we don't have to go there. And because I love you, because I care about you, because I value you as an employee, because our relationship is too important to me to let that happen, I want to talk about it. It's not because I want to call you on the carpet or it's not because I want to be a bad person in this. It's because I care about the relationship. So that's what I want to do. I want to go back. Let's talk about this. And so we might arrive at a new commitment. It might be similar to the original commitment, but it's going to have some new provisions to it. It's going to incorporate our changed circumstances with clear and solid and agreed-upon expectations. We're going to talk about, all right, well, how can we deal with your career issues at the same time that I want to be with family? We talk about all of the options. Maybe we can come back and visit. Maybe we can do this, or maybe we can do that, or maybe you're going to suspend your career aspirations for a little while until our children are older. Whatever it is, we're going to go back and renegotiate those expectations so that we're operating with a strong commitment because we love each other. And so the relationship roadmap, this flowchart ownership manual, gives us a clear pathway to healthy and successful relationship maintenance. When we know that changes will inevitably occur and enter our world, that they will alter our expectations, that they will diminish and deteriorate our commitment, we don't wait for the conflict and the dissension to erupt, and it inevitably will. It always will. It's guaranteed part of the way things are, but we don't let it manage us. We manage it. We take the initiative to say, you know, things have changed between us, And I really want to sit down with you and talk about how our expectations have been affected. Let's find a time to sit down and try to understand what we're dealing with and figure out how to move forward together. In other words, for the sake of our relationship, let's renegotiate our expectations and do this in a manner that honors our desire to stay together and do that good preventive maintenance on our relationship because we know what will happen if we don't. So now in these three podcasts all together, we've talked about the basics of relationships, we've talked about the basic relationship management tools, and we've talked about a relationship ownership manual based upon this flowchart, call it the relationship roadmap, that provides a very clear path for every relationship. It's the cornerstone of every relationship. Then if we follow it and we do the things that we need to do to implement it, we're going to avoid a whole lot of heartache and pain and disruption that will occur as a result of changes that we don't have any control over many times. Well, Ed, thank you very, very much. Our guest in our three-part series about relationships on Discovery with Babbitt Ranches has been family business and relationship management expert, author, and psychologist, Dr. Ed Hoover. If you haven't joined us for the first two parts of our series, you'll want to give a listen as we've discussed the importance of significant relationships on personal and business success. We've also talked about the building blocks of relationships and how to maintain those important relationships. Thank you for joining in Discovery with Babbitt Ranches, a monthly podcast exploring all things cowboy essence in land stewardship, conservation, science, agriculture, recreation, business, and community. 
I'd like again to thank and acknowledge Nordstrom & Associates CPAs, a locally owned business in downtown Flagstaff. Through our efforts of learning and understanding, Babbitt Ranches, a family business, pioneering land company, raises livestock, manages natural resources, promotes science, and participates in the broader community in order to join, share, and do the very best we know how. I'm Billy Cordasco.